0: Welcome to the Health Elevation Nutrition Podcast, a podcast where we talk about how to elevate your health and performance through science based nutrition. I'm Hundi Ezabeth, registered dietitian and owner and founder of Health Elevation Nutrition. Let's elevate. Today on the podcast, we have Karina Bueta. Karina Bueta is a registered dietitian. And today we're going to talk about all things health and wellness and what it really means to be healthy in your nutrition. So Karina, tell us a bit about yourself, where do you come from, what do you do, and why did you decide to pursue a career in dietetics?
1: Hi Anli, I first of all want to say I appreciate it being on the podcast, it's a great opportunity and I'm really excited to be here and talk about these topics. So where do I come from? Well, I was born and raised in the Free State in a very small town by the Vol Dam called Denaysville. But since then, I have lived in quite a few places, including Northwest, Gauteng, and currently I'm based in Mpumalanga. What do I do? I'm the proud owner and founder of Love Health Lactation, my private practice. I'm a registered dietitian and certified lactation consultant, currently based in Witbank, Emalangleni, Mpumalanga, South Africa. I do virtual consults, so I'm able to see individuals nationally as well as globally, and special home visits for lactation consults. What do I do? Well, I love working with breastfeeding, the first thousand days, that is from conception to two years of age, and gut health are my niches. Nutrition is such a forever growing field of knowledge and change. I just love it. And then finally, Why did I pursue a career in dietetics? I feel this is super cliche, but I've always really loved exercise to start off. For example, I planned and guided our exercise sessions in high school with friends. I won't say I'm doing it anymore. And then with that, I had a great passion for food. I loved the science behind it, although it wasn't what I studied at first. I only made my shift to nutrition after my first year in uni, and I'm super thankful I did. At that time, I was still a little unsure about what I wanted to do. And the main aim was just to go to uni. And with that said, I actually really struggled to get into the nutrition program. My application had been rejected multiple times. And I'm so, so, so glad dietetics is more than just a stereotypical weight loss career. And with that, um, having said that my application had been rejected, this is just a note to say, never give up on your dreams just push through. Determination is key. And then if you love what you do, you'll never have to work a day in your life.
0: I actually did not know this, that you got rejected for the first few times that you applied because giving that back, you ended up being one of the best students in our class. And I'm really, like, inspired. And that just speaks to the kind of dietitian you are and the kind of impact that you can make in people's lives. Um, And that actually bleeds into our next question, right? What does a healthy diet mean to you as a dietitian?
1: Well, if you look up the term diet, it refers to what an individual habitually consumes or a special course of food to which a person restricts themselves either to lose weight or for medical reasons. As a noun, it can be used as, I'm going on a diet, or as a verb, I began dieting again. I think that's any dietitian's pet peeve. So, when we reflect on these definitions, does any of these definitions remotely sound as if it's used within quotation marks, healthy terms? Personally, I do not think so. So diet culture has linked the term diet with negative and restrictive thoughts and behaviors. I actually had some pushback once when I made a post on stopping diet culture. And just reflecting back to the term diet, it's a very universal term. Perspective and context is everything when it comes to that. So going back to your question, what does a healthy diet mean to me as a dietitian and an individual? Balance and abundance. I repeat, balance and abundance. I know, right? Completely opposite of restriction and limitation. It is to include whole foods such as high fiber carbohydrates like whole wheat pasta, bread, bulgur wheat, legumes, beans, potatoes, sweet potatoes, lean proteins like chicken, fish, pork. Remember to cut off visible fat or remove the skin off the chicken before cooking and choosing low fat or lean options like lean or extra lean mince. It is to include vegetables, carrots, broccoli, beetroot, cabbage, spinach, and finally adding small amounts of fat, like sunflower or canola oil, olives, avocado, nuts, and seeds. And interestingly enough, dietitians repeat these messages daily and religiously, but what had been found? Prof. Rina Swart from the University of Western Cape presented that on average, South Africans only consume 60 grams of fruit and 106 grams of vegetables on a daily basis. That is just shocking. Where we should aim for a total of at least 400 grams or more of fruits and vegetables per day. So that is equal to three to four vegetable portions with one portion of cooked vegetables being half a cup or one cup of raw veg with two or more fruit portions that can be equivalent to a medium sized fruit, for example, just like a fist. So let's visualize a little bit. Close your eyes and imagine a plate of food in front of you. Half the plate should be vegetables different varieties and colors, one quarter of the plate lean protein, and the final quarter high fiber starches. This can be viewed as balance. Now that we've got that visualization, let's put it into food on the plate. For example, if I make a salad, a mixture of two cups of lettuce, tomato, cucumber, or carrots, for example, adding that to my plate, adding a boiled egg or a hand palm size of chicken breasts, uh, and then some lentils, and then maybe a teaspoon of seeds or, or olive oil as a dressing. So that can be an ideal meal, or for example, a two egg omelet, Add, adding some Tomato and some low fat cheese, like cottage cheese, low fat cottage cheese, and a slice of whole wheat bread on the side. So, that's just two examples of a balanced meal. So, for me, health is more than just numbers on a scale. That's gravity pulling you down. The majority of overall well being is linked to gut health, as it sets a foundation for immune functioning, mental health, behavior and ability to recall information. Thus, adequate nutrition is vital for physical and mental well-being. I absolutely
0: love that you touched on the fact that healthy means balance and abundance because we get so used to these messages that we should be excluding foods or that we should be cutting out these kind of foods to be healthy and actually what you're saying is no no no, Let's focus on what are we adding into our nutrition to be healthier. Let's let's focus on the abundance of healthy foods that they are. And um, as I've been working with clients, I've also found that the changes that we as dietitians ask them to implement seem so small and almost insignificant. I mean, like you said, just the visualization exercise with the plate or adding the fruits and vegetables. It's so basic. But once we have that behavior change pieces that we can implement we actually see very, very good results with our, with our clients. And that is, that's what the diet tradition is for. It's just to provide that accountability and that knowledge and that permission to live in balance and abundance. And, um, that a- <laughs> yeah, and that actually brings us to our next question. Um, and what are the common misconceptions that people have when they make healthy changes to their diet?
1: well, how much time do you have? I mean, there are so many. (laughs) No, I'm just joking. So I just chose a couple of common misconceptions and mistakes that I have found, and let's dive right into it. So number one, the all-or-nothing approach. People tend to believe that dieting is either black or white, but what about the gray area? For example, Let's say I set a goal to exercise five times per week for 30 minutes at a time, or to increase my fruit intake to two fruits a day, where I usually had only one or no fruits at all. Or final example, to increase my water intake to two and a half to three liters daily, where on average I consumed less than one liter. So from my examples, you can see once again, adding abundance, no limitations, and all of those things, they seem insignificant. It's like, that's a no-brainer. Okay, back to the point. Let's say I only manage to exercise two times when when Thursday hits. One could then think, okay, I'll never reach my target anyway. Nah, I'll start again on Monday. Or, great, I'm nearly halfway there. Reaching 60 or 70% of my target is way better than quitting when I've only reached 40%. Life has too many unexpected curveballs. It's better to adapt and adjust with them than just quitting when you've only started. Leanne Ward, also known as the fitness dietitian, likes to say, and I quote, Messy action is better than no action at all. So once again, guys, it's not a black and white approach. Gray areas are necessary and needed for success. Going over to the next misconceptions and misunderstandings I've seen, limitation and restriction. So we have touched on this recently. Always ask yourself, is this sustainable? If it's not sustainable, rather pass. Here is some food for thought. Ask yourself, In five or 10 years' time, can I still see myself completely avoiding sugar, carbonated drinks, crisps, or starches? Can I still see myself exercising two hours per day? With that being said, you're not an elite athlete, just a normal individual with a busy 8 to 5 work. If you can't see yourself doing this in five to 10 years' time, then it's maybe time to stop. If it's not consistent rather stop consistency is key and consistency leads to results so always aim for things that are reachable for you as an individual going on to the next one no carbohydrates or starches in my diet carbohydrates are life guys carbohydrates are life please if this is the only thing you remember do not restrict your carbohydrates unless it's for medical reasons carbohydrates are the easiest source of energy and it fuels the brain when we eat carbohydrates it's broken down into glucose which the body readily uses for energy when the amount of glucose or carbohydrates are lacking from our diet the brain sends signals to the body to eat more carbohydrates or sugar to provide energy to function normally this is a normal response When the food ingested are highly processed, high sugary foods, blood glucose levels tend to spike quickly and finally causing your energy levels to crash back down, leaving you feeling tired, shaking, hungry, dizzy. This then leads to craving more sugar or highly processed carbohydrates in attempt to raise blood glucose levels again to its normal baseline. Therefore, From the beginning, fuel your brain with the best, high fiber carbohydrates. Then, on to the next, cutting out entire food groups. Is it sustainable? The only time to avoid foods is when you've been diagnosed by a medical professional with a medical condition like Crohn's disease or food allergies. On this note, there is no such thing as bad or good foods. The only bad food is food that became rotten, spoiled, or moldy. There are only poor food choices like highly processed foods, frequent takeaways, and convenience foods, which are generally high in saturated and trans fats, sugar, and salt. Then, quick weight loss. Losing two kilograms in one week rather raises a red flag than a reason for celebration. Short-term weight loss accounts for water mass, proteins, and bone minerals. Quick weight loss can result in gallstone formation, dehydration, electrolyte imbalances, or malnutrition, to name a few. Fat loss is a slow process. The slower, the better. Also, the better chances to keep that fat off. Let's say, for example, you've gained 7 to 10 kilograms in three years. Now, imagine you lose only one kilogram of weight per month for a whole year. That is equal to 12 kilograms. Guys, always have the big picture in mind. And then losing weight won't make you happy. Yes, by living a healthy, abundant and balanced life can improve gut health leading to having an improved mood. But if you are unhappy with your appearance or have a lack of confidence, losing weight won't resolve the root cause. And the final one for today, there is not a one solution fix. Magic pills or solutions or fat diets that can be defined as trendy weight loss plans like keto diet, banting, the 28 diet that promises dramatic weight loss then you know, red flag, rather pass. Always remember, if there were quick one solution fixes, we wouldn't be facing a global obesity pandemic. With seven out of 10 women, Three out of 10 men and 13 children under the age of five years presenting with overweight or obesity in South Africa. I absolutely
0: love that you basically touched on a lot of the myths and a lot of the things that we see nowadays on social media, and the messages that we received, and especially the fact that you said quick weight loss is a red flag rather than a reason for celebration. And the big thing is nowadays it's very glamorized. And um, we see a lot of like before and after posts. And what I also always wonder about is what about the after the after post, you know? What happens after the 12 weeks or whatever that the drastic weight loss happened? Um, And that you always always should have a plan for how do I actually make this sustainable and long-term? And that actually also brings us to the next question, right? Um, A lot of people feel that they fail in their diets. Um, That's why we have this culture of Diet Starts Monday, right? What would you say causes people to fail in their diets? And does failure in nutrition actually exist in your
1: eyes? Does failure ever exist? Let's start there. So... With that question being asked, I want to go over to motivational quotes, because you know when you are low on motivation, the first thing you do is you go into Pinterest, motivation, motivation. So some of the motivational quotes support failure as an opportunity to rise again. It is seen as a setback for a new comeback. It is not the opposite of success. It is part of success. It's not about the destination. the journey. Winston Churchill quotes, success is not final, failure is not final, it's the courage to start that counts. So referring back to that all or nothing approach, we should leave room for error. Exercising for 10 minutes because you are tired instead of 30 minutes is better than nothing at all. Success is not a perfectionist game. Gray areas are part of the journey. That's my approach and my attempt because failure doesn't exist.
0: It comes back to that resilience piece, right? It comes back to, are you able to adapt to life? Because we have this idea that when we start with a nutrition plan, everything is going to go according to plan. I'm going to be able to meal prep. I'm going to be able to um, do all these things. And then something happens. And if we have, like you said, that black and white approach, we think, oh, my goodness, I'm fr- off of the wan- ba- bandwagon. And what now? Now I need to start again. And you, you keep on being in this endless cycle of either being on a diet or off a diet. And I love that you say, you know what? Um, success is not a perfectionist game. Leave area for the gray areas because that's life. And that's and that's not... Um, being too you know lenient it's being realistic and to plan for that
1: and to work with someone like yourself who can plan for that you know yes Um, and I um, with that being said I just want to say I think it's harder for a type personalities the perfectionists to if you see that oh my my plan is not working I'm not keeping to my diet you know what I'm a perfectionist let's start Monday and then we can try again so Remember, if you mess up, that's fine, don't give up.
0: To that end, why do you not think that a one-size-all approach to nutrition will work? Why tailor a nutrition plan for someone individually?
1: So people are different. Our needs, our schedules, our type of works, hormones, state of gut health, available support, the season where you find yourself at in your life, finances. There are so many contributing factors and definitely it's not a one size fits all but rather tailoring to a size that fits you well individualization is so important because it's not okay i'm purchasing a diet plan and an exercising plan off the internet but you don't know the person that might have created this plan might be two meter long only actually eats half of the Played, you never know and now that plan has worked for that influencer or that fitness instructor and now you're buying that exact plan but where does it come in where does it fit into your life has all of your factors been taken into account no
0: definitely and i think that is one of the um risks that we see with things like what I to eat in a day video we want to compare and we want to see okay maybe that is what that what made that person you know so successful but the question is for your genetics for like you said for your gut health for your circumstances you can have two people eating the exact same thing but they won't necessarily get the exact same results um and um I think that also leads to the next question. Why is it important to work with a dietitian specifically? Why is it important to work with someone who studied for a very long
1: time to know all of these different elements? Need we say more? Your dietitian is your personal supporter. Your dietitian will help you create and develop personalized goals, meal plans, establish healthy habits, being mindful. It's all about holistic well-being. When I reflect back to what you said, let's say, for example, the ideal meal or the what did I eat in a day. If you compare just the two of us, I mean, I am longer in comparison. I don't exercise as hard as you. And for example, you don't breastfeed. You don't. There's so many contributing factors. So how can you compare two individuals and expect the same results? Even the bodybuild. So, once again, it's all about evidence based information, meaning various studies have tested and trialed these methods of well being and came to a conclusion. It is not anecdotal, something my friend's aunt, daughter, teacher tried and succeeded. Nope. These are proven to work by various scientists over many decades. It's four years in uni, one community service year, and a lifetime of continuous learning. Practition, and have that apple or two a day, it wouldn't be necessary to go to the doctor anyway. Wink, wink. And I always say that, don't take it personally. I'm a scientist. If somebody tells you, for example, you know what, try this or this diet or and you correct them with evidence or not correct them if they want to be corrected and if they want the correct information just don't take it personally we're scientists we rely on science and the evidence that came from that the outcomes we have seen and noted thus thus far
0: yeah and i think that's so important that you mention that because what i've also found is people attached a big part of the, their identity to their nutrition um obviously because it's something that we do every day and if you give evidence-based information that can be contrary to their belief um and those type of things um you know it, it's so it, it's a sensitive subject and sometimes it's a process of just showing hey this can be optimal, this can be optimal for you, and this is science-based. But once again, knowing what science-based means, i.e. knowing how to interpret the studies and not just cherry picking parts of studies, is something that we learned um, as dietitians, And also to utilize what we read in those studies and translate it in a way that's actually applicable to the human being in front of you. Because you can have a study um, that had a certain type of participant and found an effect Using a certain type of intervention, but you need to know if it's the right person for that tool and to see all the nutrition strategies as like a tool in the toolbox. um, Rather than you know a hard and fast rule and it's a tool in the toolbox that we as dietitians are trained to know which tool to use. And, And I think that's so, so powerful and something that you actually do very well as a dietitian. We are now coming to the part where we are answering some of the listener questions, um, some of the questions we received on Instagram. um, And I can't wait to hear a take on these. So the first one was, is five meals a day okay? Um, What do you think about meal frequency? What is the optimal meal frequency? Is
1: there a meal frequency that we should be looking at? Well, five meals a day, for me, that's just perfect. Any dietitian's dream for their patients, small frequent meals so for example five smaller meals instead of just three big meals is a great way to prevent spikes and crashes in blood sugar levels this then alternatively results in sustained energy and this can support you to keep up with your hectic daily schedule so once again it's an individualized approach it needs to adapt to your lifestyle your needs your fitness goals And it needs to meet you where you're at. So if five smaller meals a day works for you, kudos, continue with it. If you find that you might be struggling or you're not reaching that goal, that's also fine. It's all individualized based. So if if your friend, for example, eats five meals a day and you only eat four or maybe you eat smaller more frequent meals and that's also okay so it all depends on you as an individual but five small meals a day great i love it fantastic and
0: say you have a student who's always studying and and actually just before this conversation we were saying how tired we were when we were in university Um, so i think we both relate to this question a lot is energy while studying what can you eat to give you energy and like we said sustain energy to focus on your studies
1: This is actually quite funny and cliche because students, they want to go for the fastest, quickest option. They want the caffeine. They want quick snacks, fast meals, convenience foods. That's unfortunately student culture. So when we want to sustain energy while studying, previously we mentioned that Glucose from carbohydrates fuel the brain. So a great snack idea to prevent lapses in energy is to combine a high fiber carbohydrate with protein and some fat. For example, a provita with peanut butter or cheese or a fruit and a yogurt or a banana with some peanut butter or fruit with nuts and seeds? Once again, it's just going back to that visualization and thinking about, okay, I need my carbs, I need my proteins, I need my fats. How can I incorporate it into a snack or a meal so that I know when I need to study at 11 at night that I'm going to have energy or when I need to wake up and go and write that test that if I include all of these various components that makes my diet ideal, that I will have that energy I need. It's just once again, consistency. You can't expect to eat one in quotation mark balanced meal for breakfast and then going over to burgers and chocolates and chips and um, assume that you're going to have that energy for the whole day. And I think
0: healthy eating as a student is actually a form of self-care. I mean, there's so much going on as a student and you're already putting so much stress on your body, um, maybe pulling all nighters or maybe putting late night study sessions. Um, You don't want to put extra stress on your body by not giving your brain and your body what it needs. Um, And like Karina said, it's about... Having all those elements that you need, it's not necessarily being perfect at it. It is just saying, okay, do I check the fiber box? Do I check the protein box? And do I check the fat box? And did I plan for that at the beginning of the week? So if you have a very, very hectic schedule coming up, just make sure you have the things in the house because I think... For me as a student that was one of the struggles i had was yes i knew what was healthy i mean i was studying dietetics but was it always in the house no um the best way is just to set yourself up for success um in order to be able to check the boxes that we just talked about um in a well in a way that also suits your budget right i don't know what what's your take on it
1: karina no i definitely agree because once again also reflecting back to when i was a student when i didn't have the ingredients that i needed in the house anymore Oh well, tough luck, then you cope with what you have, and if your budget is already spent, oh well, tough luck. So I think that's just maybe going back to strategic planning and thinking ahead, meal prepping over weekend so that you know when I come home and I'm tired and I need to study and I still have 10,000 things to do now, you're a student, so you've got laundry, house cleaning, maybe taking care of your pets or plants, that okay, did I plan for this? And then next week, maybe I failed at planning or meal prepping. Next week, I know how important it is for me.
0: Yeah, and to learn and not to expect yourself to have it already planned out from the get-go, but to evolve and to get some strategies that work for you. And to also prioritize it. I think sometimes there's so much that we have to prioritize that we don't necessarily prioritize it. I think as dietetic students, we, we already knew how, important it was so it was something that was at the top of the priority list and even so we sometimes slipped up but just to see it as a way of self care and just to to make sure that you support yourself I mean you're working so hard anyway, why not give yourself the best, you know, best chance of succeeding. Um, So that brings us to the last listener question, which is around body composition. So basically the question was about macronutrients, which which macronutrients are optimal for optimizing body composition and um, also touching on like what factors can influence body composition.
1: So the body is composed out of various elements, such as bone mass, water mass, muscle mass, ligaments, tendons, and organs. It is actually way, way, way more complex than one could imagine. When taking this whole picture into account, we see that focusing only on one type of macronutrient is inadequate. So for the listeners who don't actually know, macronutrients include carbohydrates, fats, proteins, and water. So, various macronutrients, including the type and the variety, contribute towards different vitamin and mineral needs. And all of this is needed to sustain normal body functions. Once again, individualization is so important to ensure you reach your personal goals. It's not just, okay, so I want to build muscle, I'm going to eat protein. So, For example, if you are an elite athlete, you will have a greater muscle mass in comparison to the average Joe that might actually only exercise three times per week for maybe an hour or 45 minutes. So once again, individualization, body composition can also be influenced by, if you compare a male's body composition to a female's body composition, it would be way different. If you compare a 20-year-old student with a 70-year-old, lady in the old age home differences 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 it's once again you can't just put everyone in a box and think that it's a one one approach fits all it really depends on your personal needs yes that's
0: once again one of the things that dietitians tend to say is hey personalized approach and I think body composition is a very big buzzword, especially in like the fitness industry, right? Um, and when we typically get questions about body composition, it's about, can I lose fat and gain muscle? And like your body is a lot more complex than just fat and muscle, right? It's composed of a lot of different elements. And... Um, Yes, for example, increased protein can help you to um, have more muscle protein synthesis, but something that people don't always understand is that you also need carbohydrates to protect your muscles from being broken down for energy. So having adequate carbohydrate stores, for example, is very important to also prevent that breakdown of muscles for energy and to keep your metabolism going, to keep your intensity of your training up so that you can actually reach those intensities that's able to build muscle um, and things in the first place. Um, And we have also moved away from looking at ratios of macronutrients in sports nutrition um and rather move towards gram per kilogram because that's more adequate like karina said to approach Mm -hmm. um you know certain you know certain individualized approaches so it's more it science that shows that it actually meets your needs better and um there are like baseline grams per kilogram um ranges that you can give but the most important thing is are you actually supporting your body with adequate nutrition are you sleeping well um, are you having a balanced diet like karina said are you building your plate and then you can worry about you know very specific macronutrient targets but it's about more than just specific targets um, it's more about what is your actual day-to-day intake looking like what is that balance looking like and are you actually having the habits that can lead to a good body composition, you know, um, and yes. once again, working with a dietitian can help you to really determine what those ranges will be for you as an individual. So there's no magic, you know, ratio, there's no magic amount of protein or carbs that you can eat to really give you a certain body composition. So Karina, I just want you to quickly talk about some of the exciting things that's coming up for you, some of the programs that you're launching and what it will entail. And then also where our listeners can find you so that I can link that in the show notes.
1: Great. Well, once again, for me as an individual dietitian, a mom and a wife, I aim to assist in creating a life of abundance without any restrictions. For me, it's all about gaining health gaining happiness, gaining perspective, perception, sorry, well for me as a wife, a mom, a dietitian and a lactation consultant, I aim to assist in creating a life of abundance without any restrictions, for me it's all about gaining health, gaining happiness and gaining perception, It's not about anything. I don't want to put you into a challenge because nobody is a loser. Everybody should be a winner. It's about progress. So I'll be starting a 12-week program soon with the name "Gain." You guessed it. With health, happiness, and perspective. It's not a competition nor a challenge. Once again, I don't want you to lose anything of which the following topics are covered. It's in, it includes gut health, mental health, creating healthy, sustainable habits, mindful living, determining your diet personality, improving your sensitivity to recognize hunger and satiety cues, weekly one-on-one coaching support, support groups. So that's actually, I'm very excited about this. It's going to be 12 weeks. The um, program is going to start soon launch will be at the beginning of may so there are only li- also limited spots available so if you are interested don't hesitate send me an email or DM me. you can email me at love health lactation just normal spelling just like that one word love health lactation at gmail.com or you can reach me on my social media page love health lactation that's also just at lovehealth underscore lactation so yes that's that's my story fantastic i'll be linking that on the show notes and also
0: if you are a mum if you know a mum or mom-to-be, please send Karina's email uh, or her contact details to them. She is amazing, um, not only from a practitioner perspective, but she's also a mom herself, and she knows exactly how to help someone really thrive in this very special time of their life. Karina, I just want to thank Thank you for coming onto the podcast, and um, good luck with all the new endeavors, and um, I look forward to chatting to you soon.
1: Thanks. And then I just want to add on that I actually forgot I'm also running a few workshops on breastfeeding, preparing to breastfeed, pregnancy, starting solid. So all of those things are really in my area and I enjoy it and I enjoy helping moms, families and little ones achieve and thrive. Yeah.
0: And that's so important and forms the foundation for literally the rest of their lives. So such a good investment yes. and do reach out to her. All right. Thank you, Karina. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Health Elevation Nutrition podcast. As always, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter at Health Elevation Nutrition, or on my website, www.healthelevationnutrition.com. Until next time, keep elevating.